0: We are on the, the back part, there's one more week next week, of this this series that we've titled You Asked For It. And um, basically, I think it was back on Easter, we just put out a little survey, and of course it was optional, but it was like, hey, you know, as you just look at your life or the world or just kind of some current topics or themes, what are, what are some you might, you know, want to hear more about or hear Scripture's take on you know, things in our, in our life. And so, um, you asked for it, which the joke I think is on us because I think we actually asked for it. And so I had the privilege, uh, last week to, um, present, um, for and against conflict. And so that was fun. And, um, I don't think anybody, I didn't get any bad emails. So that's, I guess you either weren't listening or, or it was good. So we'll, I'll go with the latter. And then, so now this week, I get to deal with the bottom right there, forgiveness. So it's like conflict and forgiveness, like the the left-right cross here. And uh, I wish I had an easy subject, you know, like money or something, but I guess (laughs) I'll have to deal with what's been dealt. But, um, so, coming off of conflict, and and there's going to be some some crossover here from conflict to forgiveness, because as we looked at last week, um, conflict, it is unavoidable. If you have a pulse... The conflict exists around you. If you desire to be faithful to Christ, there's you many times. I know for me, my flesh will live in conflict with with the, the righteousness that I desire. Yet myself falls so short on so conflict, conflict, conflict. And so within that, it bleeds into this truth that if there will at all times or you know various times exist conflict here, there is often conflict here, me and God there will be times where forgiveness will need to be extended and received. And so as we look at today, I want to start with like the basics of basics, math, because that's that's my wheelhouse. And so we're going to keep this in the ones and the twos. And so the one is conflict and forgiveness. It's one. It's me. It's my heart. And it's me and God. Like, one and the one. Lord, how are we doing? How am I doing? Would you just create in me a pure heart? Lord, would you create new wine through me? I offer you nothing, and you know that. I, I can't fool you. And so, Lord, that you would forgive me is overwhelming, but overwhelming with gratitude and thankfulness. So it's, it's one. And then, as part of this, we're going to look at, on a reconciliation topic, part of forgiveness. I'm going to try and blend and marry the two, but also create a distinction in two seconds. But with reconciliation, we're going to up the math from one to two. And so again, it's it's one. It's always me. How am I doing? How am I doing with the Lord? Because if there's an issue there, there's an issue here. And if you're married, you can say amen to that. And so, or have any relationships with a human being, that is true in our lives. And so, if I desire to have reconciled relationship, true brotherly and sisterly love among the brethren, that's only as good as, as I'm doing with the Lord. And so it's always housed my heart in the matter. And from there, then we can engage, perhaps through conflict or just through the everyday, even through joy. It's not all wow wow wah, wah. And so I want to start with a little bit of a math equation. It's the first blank on your card, I believe, which is this. I want to start with the, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And so uh, they are very different. Um, and basically it goes to that math equation. Forgiveness is one-sided. When I am dealing with forgiveness or the need to forgive or extend forgiveness, I can only control that. It's like you know, Pat uh, McLean and I, Pat's one of our elders here, the tallest guy in the room, I believe. Um, so you can't even sitting down, he's tall. I can't, can't see over him. But, uh, you know, he said this, and I've heard this before, I don't know, uh, maybe I could have Googled it and found the author, so if you know it, props to whoever came up with this. But um, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies, (laughs) type thing. And that's kind of how many of us live, is we just hold on to it, and we will not forgive. And there's various reasons, and I'm going to attempt to to go through some of those for our time together and hopefully land with an opportunity for us to give those to the Lord. So forgiveness is, is one. It's, it's, it's me and God. Reconciliation, it takes two. It takes two to tango, to truly reconciliation. So there is a difference between I forgive you and I forgive you and you forgive me back and we are committed to each other and we are moving on as brothers and sisters. And so a, a big hang up on forgiveness, I had to open with this, is, yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Or what they did was evil or sinful, or they're not a believer. And so what we're talking about here, when I mention forgiveness, I'm talking number one with God, but I'm talking true forgiveness that I am not going to drink the poison for that person. I'm going to give that to the Lord. The reconciliation piece is that second part, and they kind of go maybe down a sequence. But first off, it's am I forgiven by God? Am I walking in that forgiveness? And it's only from that place of freedom that I can enter into more of a reconciliation with a brother or a sister uh, in the Lord. And so I know it gets kind of deep here, and so that's kind of the point, right? So we're, we're, we're talking about forgiveness. I, I couldn't possibly cover that in one week. We couldn't cover it in a month. We also, we couldn't even, if we talked about it every week for a year, we couldn't cover it. Not only because the subject matter is so deep and it's nuanced, it's individual. Wh- where When you hear the word forgiveness today, you, 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 it, it means there's different things. There's people that come to mind. So not only is it, is it just such a vast, <laughs> deep black hole of life, but it, it changes. And so the areas or the people... That you need to extend and receive forgiveness today will, well, I mean, hopefully, but likely be different in 10 years or a year, uh, a month, a week, depending on what I say next, perhaps even a minute. And so that will always kind of be part of life. And so you're not like, sweet, I came on forgiveness week, I'm going to check that box, I'm, I'm good. Hopefully you'll be better, uh, but you won't. It rubs off, you know, like tomorrow. And so I want to open with, a, with a, a quote from the great reformer Jonathan Edwards. And this, man, I mean, I, it's not on your notes. It was going to be, but I kind of ran out of space, and so I cut it. But you are smart people. You can write this down or text yourself. But he, he give, gave this quote describing his own life, again, because it's one. It's me and God. And so he wrote uh, this, that um, I, he described living his life to always resolve To see any sin or struggle or annoyance in a brother, in you, only serve to remind me of my own yet unsanctified life and my need for grace and the continuing work of God in my life. And only until we get to a place starting right there With a level playing field, right? The ground's level at the cross. You know, I'm not any closer than any of you, and neither are you any closer uh, than I am. And so, how often do we live our life through that lens? I mean, it, it is so freeing to me, and I am not good at this because, I mean, I can't even drive in the car without getting ticked off at people. They're so annoying. It's just I could go on. But imagine getting a place to be like, okay, that was annoying or they're wrong, or how could they do that? And instead of saying some things about them or that, to say, Lord, that just goes to remind me of how far I have to go in my own walk. Because, yeah, they screwed up, but you know what? I'm next, or so have I. And the interesting little side note, usually it's the things that annoy us the most. Maybe down deep in there, and you're just trying to put it on someone else. That's that's an extra bonus. That's not in your notes. You can just keep that one. And so, for me, if, if I have many examples of this in every area of my life, but the most pressing one, and certainly current one, is is me as a, as a father. And I'm very blessed with four children. They are a joy. I, I literally wouldn't trade even one of them, for for the entire world. And I mean that. I love them so much. They bring such joy to my life. They also bring probably the most frustration in my life, more than anything in the world, daily. And if you have kids, you understand. If you don't, you're questioning if you should listen to me. But let me tell you, (laughs) it's real. And so I love them, you know, so much, but they, they drive me crazy. And so I... As the Lord has been growing me, this is even just last night with Luciana, who is the sweetest thing ever, but does not listen. And, and it's just like, why don't they listen to me? Why don't they just do what I ask them to do? And I know it's only going to get worse. As, I mean, Avelia is nine, if you ask her, nine and a half. And it's like, there's some things coming here. And some boys are going to get roughed up by Avelia's dad soon enough. And she's not going to always listen to me. And I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me with that. And then help me with my, just my sin in this and my anger. And so all of that is going on. And then I just feel like when I finally kind of get right with the Lord, I kind of sense him saying something like this. Like, Carl, you, you think um, it's hard for you when, when your kids um, or wife or friends or Pat don't listen to my few decades of you know, wisdom very much emphasize this. And I just sense, sense him saying, like, how do you think I feel when you, you claim to be mine? You claim to, like, live for me. I, I think I, once you pray that you'd die for me, yet you don't walk in the ways of life that I present to you. And so, like, you're all ticked off because your kid won't go to bed. Like, who cares? You live at odds with me all the time. But you know what? I don't smite thee. You know, I'm thee, I feel like that. You know, that's how we talks. And so I just feel like while I wrestle with God daily and lose, he's, He loves, He forgives, and He has reconciled me to Him. And so praise God. You know, one of the marks of being God's church, God's people, is that we see in others the same thing that they see in us. And that is this need for forgiveness and reconciliation and love and, and, and all of that. And, and just grace and forgiveness display that as we look at even in like the early church, Acts 2.46, that, that we're going to be committed to each other. And we're going to be in one accord and one mind. And we're not going to quit when it gets hard or quit on each other or when you sin or I sin. And we just, we just love each other uh, super well. We're going to dive into greater detail on the first six chapters of the book of Acts in two weeks. So next week we'll close out. Um, you asked for it. And then uh, we're going to walk through the first church. Like basically, wh- what does the first century church look like in the 21st century? Like How do we today carry on the Great Commission to reach uh, Tampa, And, you know, if we we, we put Judea, Samaria, and the earth all in Jerusalem together, Tampa, Florida, the, the country, the world. How do we reach a city? And God's put us right here to do that, not just to be inward focused, but to reach out. And so what does that look like? And so we, we titled this. Mitch came up with the name. I was like, ooh, I like that name. We titled it uh, Forwards in Reverse. And so we want to move forwards with the church, but only by looking back to see what the church is about. And uh, we're gonna do that here today on this corner. So pump for that. So that's in two weeks you're gonna want to check that out. But but as we look at the first church, when they gathered, it was literally new wine. And 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 they came out of this old system that was religion and works and earn it and and do good and look good. And they brought something new and and through Christ it was one mind, it was one accord, and it was love for each other, and it was forgiveness and grace extended to each other on and on. As Isaiah 2 4, it's one of my favorite verses. Maybe it's just the brave heart guy in me, but Isaiah 2 4 says that we have beaten our swords into plowshares. We don't fight each other anymore, we, we get to the work because the harvest is plentiful and we need more workers. And so that's the prayer. Um, of Scripture and and for us. And so because there's times where we're humans and we know each other and we get fed up and we need to extend and offer forgiveness, um, what does that look like? Well, it looks like making amends, it looks like building each other up, and it looks like looking up to our Good Shepherd and our Savior and growing more and more to be like Him and to trust Him. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time, I want to walk us through a series of progressions, is kind of the word I'm using, of kind of what it looks like here for us to live a life of forgiveness. And so I've got three main bullet points that will kind of flesh out most of them, uh, hopefully adequately. And so the first one is this, and this is the foundation of it, and it's the next blank, the number one blank, is that God hates, here we go baby, anything... That breaks relationship. God hates anything that breaks relationship. So, the first casualty of sin, Genesis 3. We were in the beginning. He creates everything that's great Adam and Eve, and oh my goodness, and, and all this awesome stuff. And then the serpent comes in, and deceives them. They sin. And the very first thing broken is relationship. They're hiding from God. We are very much like our great ancestors hiding from God, hiding from each other, blaming each other, right? Oh, the woman, I don't know. She gave me the fruit. And so enmity came between God and man and all humankind, even the earth. I mean, all of this where it's just been destruction upon destruction right back from Genesis chapter 3. And so from that, we require daily forgiveness. God is relational. This is now the good news. And so, because of that, he created us. Kept, you know, telling them to procreate, and we're all here today. And then, he wanted to restore and reconcile the relationship. And so, he sent his only son to usher in true forgiveness. And so, God is relational, and God desires that. And so, there's an interesting text that I want to start with. And if you're following along on the Bible app, it's right there. If not, if you're like me and you're old school, Proverbs chapter six. So, Proverbs is uh, it's just incredible. Incredible text and one of my one of my favorites. Just it's literally words of wisdom from according to God, the wisest man who ever lived, a guy named Solomon, King Solomon. So um, Solomon is is hanging out with God and, and God God gives him this really peculiar list on the surface, um, but I will um, I'll read it to you and I'll try to make sense of it. So uh, Proverbs six verse sixteen through nineteen, Solomon says. There are six things the Lord hates. Oh, yes, and one. Seven, which are an abomination. So again, hate and abomination. Like You're like, these are like, obviously strong words. Here's the list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spread strife among brothers. Brothers, sisters, God's people is what it's referring to there. So those are the seven things that God hates and abomination. Why did the Lord give Solomon this list in order to give it to us today? And the answer is actually simple. All of these things destroy the one thing that God loves most. And that's relationship. Our haughty eyes, our, our lying tongue, our feet that, that are quick to shed blood. And, and you can take that literally. That would be a, a pretty good indication of a broken relationship. But we can take it even spiritually or interpersonally. Our words, right? Jesus says, if you've said it, if you've thought it, you've done it. Lying, uh, spreading strife, a false witness, all of these things, they destroy relationship and God hates them. They are an abomination to him. And we're all guilty of this entire list. Anything that tears apart what God intended to be a source of life and and a provision for us, he hates. It's the sworn enemy of God to break relationship. You know, last week I, I kind of mentioned, and this was an aside really last week, but it kind of stuck with me and even a couple of people commented on it, but I made mention about um, the studies of a sign of a relationship that lasts, and um, not just, you know, maritally, um, but um, even just among friends or or co-workers or like partners together in a a business is, is, is those who don't deal well with conflict. And if you act like conflict doesn't exist, put your head in the sand, maybe the other person gets to dominate, it is really unhealthy. And it leads to really really dangerous things, and so we we kind of shared that, and it's no different in the church it's it's obvious in in a marriage, and it happens here too and so when we act like there's no conflict or we act like oh, i don't really need to extend or or offer forgiveness or receive forgiveness or be reconciled to my brother, you go against all sound wisdom, and God hates it and and it's it, it's not it's not healthy even by the world standards. And so from that, though, we live in this place where we often we act like and we might say or think things like, yeah, but if, if I was in only if I were in that city group, you know, or if only this were different or if this were like that, then, yeah, I could be uh, we'd be good or it gets really worse. Oh, if only I were married to him or to her, I wouldn't have to work so hard at my marriage. That, those are lies from the pit of hell. Because when you got married, you married a notoriously unpredictable person with thoughts and feelings and dreams and desires equal in value to your own and likely completely different. It's part of what draws us together. Like, hey, you're not my twin. And that's good for a lot of reasons. And so you come together and you're different. And so... If we fail at conflict, one, someone like me, will dominate. And I'll get in my way. And as long as you're quiet and I'm good, there's no conflict. There's no need for forgiveness. We're good. The rest of you are on the other side of that, and you're not good. And it's not good. And there's probably a lot to dissect here. I'm getting a little off, but... We've been trained to just put our head in the sand. Or, enough's enough, and that's the point of that statistic, is we break it, and we break relationship. And the grass seems greener over there than, than it is here. But it's greener where you water it, and you've all heard that. And it's a meme out there somewhere, cool. And so, any relationship you're in, is notoriously unpredictable because they are um, what science calls a human. And so humans have these wants and desires and shortcomings. And so I came up with this little quote. I think I've um, used these terms correctly. I did Google them and I did think of a movie as well. But the next blank here is, is this, is that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And listen, we know that. Like, this is kind of Bible 101. If you want to start using tulip stuff, this is total depravity of man. And back in Genesis 3, we have all sinned. Once they sinned, and they passed it on to us. And again, if you have kids, you did not have to teach them to sin. They got that from their parents, including you. I mean, we got it from our parents all the way to Adam and Eve. Thanks for that. And so... You don't need me to point out to you probably um, that we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, if that's new to you, um, I'd be happy to walk through that afterwards. See me back at Info Central. Uh, and also if you're a guest with us today, I'd love to just meet you as well. That'd be neat. And so would be happy to walk through that. But that's generally known to be true. And if that's a new thought... Just think about, you know, how you woke up this morning. Okay, and so we get that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned. We're not perfect. And that's, again, that's me and him. And the second half, we all fall short of each other's inglorious standards. You are not living up to my standards for your life. And I bet I'm not living up to your standards for my life or my role in your life. This is the real stuff, guys. And we're not going to gloss over it and put our heads in the sand on it. I've got a standard and it's inglorious. It is not righteous. Now at times, hopefully at times, I get it right and I can show you you know, right here, guys, like, and that's part of that conflict resolution. When you go to someone and say, hey, listen, I, I, I think, even though I know you love God, I, I think it's pretty clear here that what I've observed might be at odds with, with Scripture. You know, what do you think? And then we, we pray that there's reconciliation through that of, y- you're right. Thank you for being a brother who loves me enough to tell me the truth, right? And so I fall short of yours we fall short of each other's and we have a choice say i knew it i knew it they're no good they're not like can i can't do that. no or yep and i do too we all do it like guilty let's join a club of sinners because we all fall short of god's glorious standards and we will constantly fall short of each other's inglorious standards and so that is what we're walking through through conflict needing forgiveness, needing to extend forgiveness, and hopefully God's will is that we would be reconciled to each other. So that's this text here out of of Proverbs. And so, you know, it's annoying, it's frustrating, it's other, you know, uh, politically correct and and non-politically correct adjectives that I could throw in here. But as we all grow in our dependence on God we we start to look more and more like what the Apostle Paul describes. In, in Colossians 3, we're going to hop over to Ephesians 4 in a sec if you want to go there, but leading up to that, Colossians 3.13, he instructs us to bear with one another. I remember last week it was make every effort to unity, and we talked, I think I still have my, I got a lot of junk in here, but I think I still have my, uh, remember those note card thingies? I must not. All right, forget that. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances that you may have against one another. And it ends with forgive as the Lord forgave. Over in Ephesians 4, you can turn there. I want to look at verses 29 through 32, but in a funny way, I want to start in 32. Don't really ask me why. Um, But it ends with the same thing. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's the same thing. And this little text in Ephesians 4, we were were earlier in the text last week, and the first three chapters are how we ought to live, how we ought to live for God and not ourselves, not our own kingdoms, and then kind of what that looks like together as the church. And so verse 29 is a a very well-known verse. In fact, I think my, my kids memorized it at one of the 12 VBSs they were at this summer, or maybe it was school, but I can't remember. But, uh, and it's pretty amazing. But basically in verse 29, three verses earlier of 32, um, verse 29 you can throw up there, it's, it's, Paul's talking about people, us, Christ followers, who have been reconciled to each other, that we don't let anything come out of our mouths other than what is beneficial for building up the body. And when we go against that, we tear down the very thing that God loves most, which is relationship. And so we want to build others up that grace may increase. And so despite our constant need for forgiveness, the second part of our our little list here is that we now build each other up. That is the call of the church. That is why we exist. It is for one another to grow uh, in our walk. And so we're careful with our words, right? Because we're not home yet. Because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. Like, we don't assault each other with our words or our thoughts or or any of that. We don't break that relationship. We go together and we we heal each other uh, spiritually. And there will be times where you do something destructive, where I do something destructive. Uh, This is every week of my life. This past week, I said destructive things to my wife and to my kids last night, and in my hockey game on Tuesday night, and I have a legit scar to prove it, and it's, I'm imperfect, and so are you. And so we're careful with our words. And so I found a ton of moments this week where I was not careful with my words at all. And I've needed forgiveness from God and from other people for that. And I bet you might have a couple similar examples. And even looking at the, the, the Proverbs here, like I spoke in a tone that was haughty, like Erde. Um, I spoke out of self entitlement. It's just in me. Like I want my things and my way, it's just sin. Um, I love what was easy for me. I was destructive. I've, I've had to seek forgiveness. And I was had to point out to me hey, this is affecting our unity. That we, we want to have, right? You want that, right? More than anything. I'm sorry. And so this gets to kind of the third one. This is where I really want to land. So we, we even though we've all fall short, we must build each other up. And, and let's deal with the why, right? And so the why is more than, for the Bible tells me so, the why is even more than, oh, life will be better, which is true but there's a, there's a whole other party here. I kind of did my simple math, us and God, us and you, but there is actually, I'm going to go all the way up to number three here. It's this. The third progression of forgiveness is when we say that we're forgiving people. I have been forgiven by God and I am a, now a forgiving person. But I I don't act or live as a forgiving person. There's a, An unintended casualty in this equation is it confuses a watching world. When they see the church bickering and living in unforgiveness and bailing just like the world does, when they see Christian marriage divorce rate identical to non-Christian divorce rate, what what are we doing? Who are we following? sounds more like we're following the Proverbs 6 than Ephesians 4 and Jesus. You know, those verses that I read, the Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, they, they both end the same way. Forgive as God forgave you. Well, how did the Lord forgive? If we're supposed to forgive the same way, how did, how did He do it? Let's start there. Well, look no further than the cross. Remember on the cross, Jesus is there. And, and what are some of the last words he says? He, he, maybe he's looking up as he's looking down at these people. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave his murderers. And we struggle with forgiving our brother or our spouse or our kids or our parents or whomever. Jesus stopped at no one. And he modeled for us. And this is why point three is so powerful. Because forgiveness makes an incredible story. Because the greatest story ever, I guess retold, is the greatest story of forgiveness that has ever happened. And it's Christ. It's Christ coming for us. And so forgiven people, if we claim to be forgiven people, what do we do? We forgive. Forgiven people forgive, which is contrary to our flesh. I battle it daily. It's contrary to this world. And that's the point. Is that the world watches and just seeking to devour us and find the holes in our armor. And there's a lot to find. And when we double down on a losing strategy of strife and conflict and quitting and breaking relationships... The world just goes, yeah. No different. And and the apostle Paul says we're to be pitied more than all men. If that's really all this is, I don't know about you, but I don't like being pitied. And so here's the other fun part of this. And this has been a little bit of a downer, but let's pick it up here. I'm going to do both at the same time. It's my specialty. God's gracious offer of forgiveness is the gospel. Like, hey, what's the gospel? Hey, what do, you, what do you believe? We believe that even though we are at enmity with God, even though we live in a way that we hate God, He loves us and forgives us and sent His Son for us. And because of that, we do the same. That is the gospel. That is it. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, what? How do I? What's the Romans Road? Like, what do I say? Like, how do I? Uh, how do I? And then, then there's this other part of us that's like, yeah, but I sin, and so how could I share God's story? That is God's story. That hey, Carl, alone, trouble, all the trouble in the world, stay away from me is bad. It's bad enough with Christ. Imagine without it. I mean, Liz and I, we joke, but don't joke. That was bad news. I'm bad enough with Christ. Bad news. And so, you know, so here's where I'm getting at. So most of us know in this room that um, God desires that all people come to know him. We probably also know that, you know, once he sent Christ, Christ literally parting words before he ascended up to heaven in Acts 1-8 were, and same thing at the end of the Gospels, were the Great Commission, that we would go to the whole world, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and tell his story. That we would, if you want to use some Bible, religious words, we would evangelize. We would, we would do outreach. We would reach out to a lost and dying world. Um, you don't have to even leave this building, literally, to find that. Or leave this street to find that. Okay, so we get that. And we also probably know that then his plan is to have the Holy Spirit come and move in us and the church together to go out and do that, right? And so we know that. And then we kind of run into, ee, but how do we do it? Or what do I say? Or what do I do? Where do I go? I'm going to make this incredibly simple. This has never been simpler than what I'm about to tell you. If you're looking for a way, this could be a blank because I was so pumped about it. If it's not, make it one. If you're looking for a way or an opportunity to do outreach or evangelism or share the gospel, I'm going to give it to you in one word. You want to know how to do it? Forgive. Live a life of forgiveness and reconciliation in every single relationship that you have. That's the gospel. You don't need more Bible knowledge. We like that too. But this is the Bible knowledge and it's the application of it today, and the rest of our lives. If you want to reach out and you want to make an impact for the kingdom, be a forgiving person. Be someone, I don't know, different from the world. Be like Christ, who considered himself nothing, who emptied himself in full humility. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? That darn H word. Don't like it imagine a church modeling forgiveness for a city especially a city like Tampa I mean it's it's segregated in a whole number of ways every single metric you can find we'll slice it and dice it in Tampa and the rich get richer and the the sinful revel in their sin and it's on full display if you've left your house before. And if you're human, it's on full display in your own house. But what if there were people who lived differently? I mean, the world would notice that, wouldn't they? I think God can finish that thought in our heads better than I can. And so as we grow in this area, we just continue to seek and extend forgiveness and reconciliation. There's one last little hang-up here in a, in, a, in a scripture. It's not even going to be on the board. It's, it's Proverbs 26:12, if you want to jot it down. This is, this is one of those verses. It's a mirror verse, I like to call it. Like this is really easy to be like, "Oh, <laughs> I know this guy. Oh, do I know this guy? No, I am this guy." And Solomon, again, our boy Solomon, loved the Saul. He says he's quoting here uh, in in twenty six twelve. He says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? So like picture the opposite of that Jonathan Edwards quote. Picture a man who's like, I know right. You clearly don't. Basically the guy is like, You're wrong, they're wrong, I'm right. And it bleeds into a whole slew of biblical examples. In fact, Solomon's brother Absalom, Second Samuel 15, if you want a pretty fun, another mirror story. Am I Absalom or my David? Take a look at that. But do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Listen to the second part of this. There is more hope for a fool than for him. And if you know a little bit about Solomon's definition of a fool, we're not just talking about a guy who's like, bad at math or like crossword puzzles. This is someone who will not yield to the Lord and His wisdom and His ways. And that's my story. That my life is what it is today, bad as it is, imperfect as I am, but it's only anything remotely able to lean on this really heavy-duty thing. Because men and women who love me have come alongside me for probably even before I was a believer if I really yield to how the Spirit was moving as a punk kid, but for about 20 years now of people chasing me, loving me, holding up a mirror to my sin and saying, I'm with you and I love you and you're an idiot, but you know what? So am I. And because I am, I can tell you a little bit about where you're where you're heading that's the church and we don't shy away from that stuff one little this is applicable here in about six weeks here but as we as we launch uh, city groups here in the fall um, a, a big thread of this fall is going to be connection like I mean we want every single adult in a city group and so that means you but imagine a city group, that's more than a Bible study. I'm for the Bible, by the way. That's more than, you know, a, a social gathering. We're for that. More than all those things. But what if your city group looks something like this? Hey, guys, what's up? How's your week? Yada, yada, yada. Hey, before we begin, was there anything over this past week where maybe... We hurt. I hurt you, or we hurt you. Was anything that was said? Did did, did did we maybe not pursue you? Um, were you left out of a text thread because of my fat fingers? Did, did I say or do something that that could have broken the unity that we have, whether it was true or not or perceived? I mean, now we're having church, like that's City Group, that's the fellowship of the believers. Is there a forgiveness that needs to be extended or received before we dive into whatever it is? That's love, that's the church. that's forgiving people. forgive. And so as we're going about just our life and our day, we've got to sit with this concept of, of conflict that I'm not going to be a peace faker. like, yeah, you freaking ticked me off and I hate you, but I'm great. Pass the popcorn. And we're not going to be, you know, I talked about the cult 45. We're not going to just, hey, has group, peacemaker or else. And we're not going to break peace. We're not going to rule with an iron fist. You in, you're out. You with us, are you against us? No, I love you. And I'm sorry. We're going to be God's people. We're going to be peacemakers for his glory, not our own. That's the call here.